This morning is from Matthew, it's in the New Testament, and just in case you need a Bible, there are Bibles on the back table, so please take one if you need one. We're going to read Matthew 11, the verses 25 to, th oh sorry, first the other one, we have two sections here, Matthew 4, verse 17, to chapter 5, verse 2. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, the kingdom of God of heaven is near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowd from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. Now we go to Matthew 11. Verses 25 to 30. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Graham. It's really good to be with you. Um, as Jordan gave us that sharing question, my, uh, the last thing I learnt was from my son and I learned that zebras are actually black with white stripes. It's amazing the fun facts you can learn from 13-year-old boys. They absorb them. We're in week two of a series, so we're looking at the way of Jesus, and we're walking slowly through this series. Week one was a few weeks ago, and we had the title Come and See, and we learned about worship. Uh, this week we're looking at Come and Learn, 
and we're going to be learning about discipleship. You might remember a few weeks ago, remember Caleb in the Serengeti seeing the serval cat, and we learned that if we truly want to see the Lord, we must passionately pursue him. We need to slow down and stop, and sometimes we need friends to show us where to look. We had that invitation to spend some time in John chapter 1, learning verses 1 to 18. It's been fun each week. There's been a few people coming up saying, I'm up to verse 5. I'm up to verse 10. I know it's not about memorising. It's about um, spending time in these wonderful realities of God's word. I'm going to pray for us and then we'll get started with this week. Father in heaven, I'm thinking of that vision that you give us in Isaiah 2 of peoples from every nation saying, come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, knowing that you would be there to teach us of, his, of your ways. And they were a gathering of people that desired to walk in your paths. Lord, we know that you must reveal truth for us so that we can believe it and obey it and walk in your ways and experience the life that you made us for. So please help us with that this morning. Help me as I preach and help all of us as we seek to listen to your word and learn the way of Jesus. Amen. Now I came across a YouTube video the other day uh, of a giraffe giving birth to a baby giraffe. It was captivating. First you see these awkward legs come out and then a body and then this 60 kilogram giraffe baby fall two meters to the floor. And within minutes, this calf has staggered to its feet and starts walking around the enclosure. Now thankfully our creator has done things differently with us humans. Imagine if human babies were born with that capacity within minutes they're running around the labour ward. <laughs> Did you know that babies are born with a hundred billion neurons in their brain? And immediately following their birth, these neurons start making connections or synapses with nearby neurons at a rate of one million synapses per second. It's absolutely astonishing to think of the energy going on in the brain of a baby as it starts to interact with this new world and these new people and new experiences. It reminds us of how critical it is that we care well for the babies and the infants and the toddlers amongst us. Now you and I are not like giraffes. It takes time for us to learn how to walk for us to grow and mature physically and psychologically and socially and spiritually. Some would say that the process of maturing a human takes at least 25 years. Now last time we explored the invitation in John 1 to come and see the glory of Jesus and begin a life of wholehearted worship of him. Today, we'll spend some time in Matthew's Gospel, responding to another invitation from Jesus, this time, come and learn. And we'll be reflecting on the idea of apprenticeship to Jesus. Now, some people here have done an apprenticeship. 
It's a practical and experiential and relational approach to learning. It involves far more than simply the knowledge of a classroom. In the old days, an apprentice would go and live with a master craftsman. And during the years of the apprenticeship would learn not only the skills of the trade, but would spend such time with the master that they would absorb the ways and the character of the one they were seeking to become like. Now, discipleship is a whole of life apprenticeship in which we learn the way of the master. And whole of life for two reasons. It involves every aspect of our lives and it continues for the whole of our life on this earth. Now today we'll be exploring three questions and we'll cover some application along the way. Firstly, how do we learn spiritual things? And Matthew 11 will help us here. How did Jesus train his apprentices so that they could learn the way of the master? Matthew 4 is where we will start for that answer. And then thirdly, what essentials did he train us, train them in? Now we're going to just scratch the surface on that one, uh, but we'll get a little glimpse from the Gospels. Let's get started with question number one. How do we learn spiritual things? Let's head to Matthew 11. Now, in these verses, we have three sayings of Jesus. There's a spontaneous prayer, there's an eternal reality, and a life-giving invitation. And it's, it may seem a strange collection that Matthew has put together. And I've often wondered, how do these three sayings link to one another? It's been a really good puzzle to wrestle with this week. And I want to suggest that these three sayings teach us about how we learn spiritual things. Firstly, true spiritual learning involves revelation. Now this prayer in 25 and 26, does it make you smile? A recurring theme in the Gospels is how the educated and the religious people and seem to miss the point of Jesus' teaching. But the poor, the desperate, the oppressed, the outsiders, they were often the ones who grasped what Jesus was on about. Jesus reminds us in other places, unless you humble yourself and become like a little child, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Here he spontaneously rejoices in prayer about how some things are hidden from the wise and the learned, but revealed to little children. Now, right now in Leaf Kids, there are children learning wonderful truths of God and taking them to heart. Yet at the same time, there are grown-ups all across the world, and perhaps in this room as well, who have listened to the same truths and prefer to trust in their own understanding. Oh, may the Lord give us humble and childlike hearts and minds to hear his word and believe it to be true. And may we have that same enthusiasm of childlike discovery as we seek to know him. 
Secondly, true spiritual learning involves relationship. In verse 27, Jesus gives us this amazing glimpse into his eternal relationship with his Father. What a wonderful connection that we see here. No shame between the Son and the Father. No guardedness, no uncertainty, no fear, but complete and wholehearted and comprehensive love and knowledge of one another. We stand in awe at the perfection and beauty of this relationship. And yet at the end of the verse, Jesus takes us even one step further when he says, no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. What a gift of grace that the triune God would so create and rescue and sanctify us that we would be welcomed into this eternal relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit through our connection with the Lord Jesus. Thirdly, true spiritual learning involves coming to Jesus and receiving from him. Look at verse 28 to 30. Come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus mentions rest twice in these verses. In verse 28, rest is given as a gift to the weary and burdened. In verse 29, rest is found or discovered as the apprentice learns from the master and takes his yoke. Now this word yoke had two meanings back in the day. A yoke is a farming tool to link an old ox with a young one. The young ox must learn the way from the old ox. And if the young ox was proud, the yoke would chafe at his neck. But when the young ox humbled himself and learned to keep in step with the old one, he would find a rest and a rhythm as they walked and as they worked together. Now, our modern-day equivalent of this would be a three-legged race. You remember those when you're linked by an ankle to someone else and you had to figure out how to get in step with one another. And particularly, the weaker must get in step and in rhythm with the stronger, or else it's chaos and you fall over onto your face. Now, another meaning of yoke, a yoke was also the term used to describe the teachings and the ways of a particular rabbi. Now, for many learners, the rabbi's teaching was onerous and burdensome, and only the most disciplined would be able to achieve the required standard. Many would not make the grade. The rabbi's way was just simply too hard. Now, is the way of Jesus like this, heavy and burdensome and onerous, 
Sadly, many people assume yes, because they think that Christianity is just another human religion. But the way of Jesus is in another category altogether. I want us to notice three things from verses 28 to 30. Firstly, the invitation of Jesus is to the weary and the burdened. You and I don't come to Jesus all dressed up and trying to meet a minimum standard. No. His invitation is for all who are weary and burdened, those who are aware of their failures and their limitations and their shame and their guilt. Jesus invites people like us to come and to lay down our burdens and to receive his gift of grace. Secondly, the heart of Jesus is gentle and humble. Is this how you see the Lord? When you come to him, are you intuitively expecting him to notice your mistakes and highlight them to others and increase your shame and your guilt? This is not who he is. This is not his heart towards us. Remember what we saw in John 1. Verse 14 said, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. We have seen him and he is full of grace and truth. In verse 12, it says, to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to be called children of God. This is the gracious and generous, overflowing heart of God for broken people. But thirdly, the yoke of Jesus is light and easy. To give you an image for your mind, if the yoke of religion feels like concrete in your boots, the yoke of Jesus is like air in a balloon. It fills us. It stretches us and does so in a way that lifts us and expands us. And that may be a helpful image to have in your mind as you engage with the word of God. That we would breathe in God's word and imagine it filling the balloon of our soul with life-giving oxygen. The psalm writers knew this. Listen to these words from Psalm 19. The word of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the hearts. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure enduring forever. His words are much more precious than gold. They are sweeter than honey, sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. So what is true spiritual learning? It involves revelation and relationship and receiving from the Lord. Childlike discovery, relationship with Jesus, and receiving his rest and his yoke. 
This is how we learn spiritual life. Now, Jesus was the master of spiritual life. So let's turn our attention now to question number two. How did Jesus train his apprentices so that they could learn the way of their master? And we'll start our journey in Matthew 4. You'll remember that John the Baptist was a significant figure in John 1, pointing his disciples to Jesus. John's life purpose was that he would become, that Jesus would become greater and that John would become less. And in Matthew 4, we see John is now in prison, fading into the background, and the spotlight now shines on the Lord Jesus. And our passage in Matthew 4 begins with a great announcement. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And Jesus gathers, gathers some followers, a ragtag bunch of fishermen, but all of them known and chosen by name. They go on a mission trip in the north of the country. And as Jesus teaches and preaches and heals, crowds gather from near and far. And then he sits down. And he calls his apprentices to them, and he begins to teach them. Now, this is the beginning of Jesus training his apprentices, and we see his methods throughout the Gospels. I want to mention four. Firstly, Jesus shows them his way by living as an example. The first apprentices were given front row seats, of Jesus in action. The true light that gives light to every person had come into the world. They watched and they saw how he welcomed people and developed friendships and honored his family and cared for those with needs. How he handled frustrations and faced opposition and overcame evil. Secondly, Jesus tells them his way by teaching and debriefing. Matthew 5 says he went up on a mountainside and sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. Now we know Jesus spoke publicly to large crowds, but we see many more examples in the Gospels of private conversations and smaller discussions as the circumstances of life prompted questions and highlighted needs. Thirdly, Jesus invests in his apprentices through authentic friendships and strategic training. We see him having conversations along the way as they walked from town to town. We see Jesus spending his, or sending his apprentices out two by two on preaching and healing trips and then see how he debriefs with them afterwards, growing their character and developing them in his way. As the disciples have squabbles with each other, just like any workplace, we see how Jesus uses these teachable moments to train them in his way. This is the master at work, training apprentices in the midst of daily life. And fourthly, Jesus sustains his apprentices through his prayers and by his spirit. In Luke 9, it tells us that he spent a night 
praying with his father. And then when morning came, he called his disciples and appointed 12 of them to be apostles. How much of that night was spent praying for these 12 men who would carry such an important responsibility? In John 17, we see the high priestly prayer of Jesus, where again he prays for the 12 and also for us who would believe as well. In Luke 22, Jesus says to Simon Peter, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith would not fail. Jesus was constantly sustaining his apprentices through his regular prayers for them. But he also sustained them by his spirit. As the time drew near for Jesus to ascend to heaven, he prepared the 12 for the next phase in their apprenticeship. All this I've spoken while still with you, he says. But the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I've said to you. Jesus knew that he would depart and he knew that the Spirit would come. Their apprenticeship would continue now with the Holy Spirit as their guide, teaching them and reminding them and guiding them in the way of Jesus. And Jesus continues to sustain his apprentices even now. Hebrews 7 tells us that Jesus lives to intercede for us. What an amazing thought. Even now, the Lord Jesus is praying 24-7 for people like you and me, just as he did faithfully and regularly for that first cohort of apprentices 2,000 years ago. So Jesus shows and tells, revealing the way of the master to his apprentices. And he trains them and sustains them, continually shaping and forming and guiding and equipping so that his apprentices would continue in the way of their master. Now, some application, you and I are invited to come and learn. We are being offered the most wonderful apprenticeship opportunity that we could ever dream of. The one who is gentle and humble of heart says... Come and learn, and you'll find rest for your souls. Are you tired and weary of trying to make life work? Perhaps it's time to truly let all of that go and simply respond to the invitation of Jesus and learn the way of the Master. Oh Lord, would you help each of us to respond to your call and truly surrender our lives to you. You are a good and kind master. You are willing to train us in your life-giving way. Please show each of us right now what our next step might look like to listen, to believe, and to obey. So question number three. What essentials did Jesus train his apprentices in? Or to put it another way, what were the foundational modules for life as an apprentice of Jesus?
Now, we'll only scratch the surface in the few minutes we have remaining, but I hope it will whet your appetites and make you curious to seek the Lord in the coming weeks. My suggestion is over the next six weeks or so that you would take one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark or Luke would be best, and just read it with the heart of an apprentice, praying, Lord Jesus, please show me your way. Show me what I can learn about the way of the master. So to whet your appetite, we'll just mention five brief things, key aspects of life as an apprentice of Jesus, and we'll make some applications along the way. So module 101 in this apprenticeship, spend time with the Lord. We'll look at one short little verse in Mark 6. In this verse, we're told of a little debrief session that Jesus was having with the 12. Verse 30 says, The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught on their recent little mission trip. They were pumped and they were enthusiastically sharing their stories and celebrating the goodness of God at work in them and through them. It's a very cool little verse. But then take a look at verse 31. Jesus was aware of their busyness, and he says to them, Come, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It's a fascinating little verse. He says, come, come with me, connect with me, but do it by yourselves and do it in a quiet place and let me give you rest. Some application. You and I need a regular practice of being with Jesus, separating ourselves from other people from other responsibilities, and simply enjoying being in his presence. And it will restore our souls. Instead of being weary and burdened, we will receive his rest. Have you learned how to do this? Is this a regular practice for you? Our spiritual lives depend on it. If you already have a regular practice of being with Jesus each day, may I encourage you to linger for longer. Once a week, set aside a longer time, an hour, a half day. Look at your diary, lock in a time, and enjoy spending more time with the Lord. Respond very literally to his invitations to come and see and come and learn from him. Now we'll explore some ideas and unpack this a little bit more in the next message when we look at come and stay. But for now, spend regular time with the Lord and take a little longer to linger in his presence. Module 102, the heart must change. Sin is more than bad behaviour. It's a heart condition that results in bad behaviour. 
And Jesus wants to set his apprentices free, free from sin and from all its effects. And he's uniquely qualified to do just that. Jesus was the most authentic and most genuine person you could ever meet. His heart was seen in his words and his actions. Nothing was fake with him. His heart was full of love for his father and was regularly moved with compassion for those whom he came in contact with. And this compassion was expressed in words and action. He was the embodiment of Luke 6:45. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. When Nicodemus came to Jesus eager to learn more of the spiritual life, Jesus shocked him by explaining that he would need to be born again. External changes were not enough. Nicodemus and all of us need to be born from above and given a new heart. Apprenticeship to Jesus is not a self-improvement project. Jesus wants a complete heart change for us. And most of his training of us will be focused on our hearts to grow us in humility and gratitude, love for God and love for others. And as we spend time in his presence, our hearts will change, little by little, but change they will. So an application, how do we respond to this? We need to turn our hearts and tune our hearts to him. Turn your heart to the Lord. Express to him that you want him to have first place in your hearts. And then express that in action. Identify what competes for your heart's attention and ask the Lord to help you say no to that and to say yes to him. But as well as turning our hearts to him, let's tune our hearts to the Lord. If my guitar is out of tune and I try to play it, it will sound terrible. I must take time to listen to the true notes and adjust my guitar to align with the true notes. And the same is true for our hearts. We need to spend time with the Lord to see what a true heart for God looks like and then ask the Spirit to help us align our hearts to be in harmony with his in Psalm 119, it says, I will run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free, free to live and to love and to serve. Which brings us to module 103, set free to serve. In Mark 9, there's a really funny story. In verse 33 and 34, it says, they came back to Capernaum and when they were in the house, Jesus asked them, hey, what were you guys arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way they were arguing about who was the greatest. Jesus was listening in to their conversation and they got roasted. <laughs> Jesus says to them, if anyone wants to be first, 
He must be the very last and be the servant of all. Now, one chapter later, the same argument happens. And Jesus talks again to them about firsts and lasts. But adds then, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, the grown-up Christian is a humble servant, completely content to simply serve. One of my African friends says it like this, a soul finds its freedom when it finds its true master. Life can be very simple. Imagine if you started each day with a statement like this. Father, I am the apprentice and I serve you a good and kind master. You've set me free to live for you and to love you. Whatever you give for me to do, I do with joy, with my whole heart, confident that you are with me and I desire to bring glory to you today. Module 104, Faith and Obedience. In the next six weeks, as you read through Matthew or Mark or Luke, Notice how often Jesus comments on people's faith expressed in action and obedience. Jesus is touched at one point by a woman bleeding for 12 years and she's healed. He turns to her and says, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be free from your suffering. A centurion comes to Jesus believing that he can heal his sick servants. And Jesus says publicly to the crowd, I tell you the truth, I have not found such faith in all of Israel. The blind beggar on the Jericho road cries out to Jesus, have mercy on me, I want to see. And Jesus turns to him and says, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. But we also see examples of unbelief and of disobedience. The disciples are in the boat, afraid because of the storm. Jesus turns up and rebukes the wind and the waves and they become still. And Jesus says, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? The rich young ruler comes to Jesus, desiring eternal life. Jesus discerns his heart, knows how much he loves his stuff, and shows him the way of life. Give it all up and come and follow me. The story says, when the young man heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth and he could not let it go. Jesus wants us to grow, wants to grow each of his apprentices in faith and obedience. He calls each of us to repent and believe, to trust and to obey. And so he will arrange circumstances in our lives to give us those opportunities to believe and obey. 
So some application for this one. Can I encourage you to take every one of those opportunities he gives you? For as we learn to trust him and obey him in the small things of our lives, he is shaping us and forming us in us that posture of the heart of single-minded and wholehearted devotion to him and to his way. Remember he's gentle and lowly of heart. Remember his yoke is easy and his burden is light. He's a good and kind master who gives rest for our souls. Last one, module 105, I am with you. In Matthew chapter 1, we are told one of the names of Jesus, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. In Matthew 28, the very last verse of the gospel, we're told of a wonderful promise as Jesus departs. Surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. The gospels are bookended with this reality. Apprentices of Jesus are never alone. God is with us every step of our journey. He knows everything that is going on for you. Nothing escapes his attention. He is with you, he is for you, and he has promised to never leave or forsake you. Perhaps your life is particularly difficult at the moment. Take this to heart. As hard as life can be at times, the apprentice of Jesus can be confident. My good and kind master is with me and he will show me his way. Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for the Lord is my shepherd and he is with me. Now, we've covered a lot of ground today, and it's time to bring things to a close. I hope it's whetted your appetite and made you curious for more. The Lord invites us to come and see the glory of Jesus and to live a life of worship. And he invites us to come and learn the way of the master and embrace life as his apprentice. We are not like giraffes, able to walk immediately. It takes time, it takes time with our master to absorb his ways and to learn to walk in his paths. May he give you great joy as you seek him and respond to this life-giving invitation. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for coming into this world to show us the way to live in our place and to die in our place and then to give these wonderful invitations to come and see and come and learn and come and receive. We thank you for your word that in the Gospels particularly we can see you and see what life was like as you lived on this earth with those first apprentices. We pray that you would grow in us that heart of faith and obedience 
and that you would give us those opportunities day by day to prove that, to demonstrate it in the circumstances and networks that you've put us in. Help us to draw near to you and spend enough time with you that you would shape us and change us and form us as your apprentices. We pray for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.